Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're doing our first show now that the Vikings season is over. The playoffs have started, so the Vikings season is over. Most of you kind of know, some of you kind of transfer over, but this is a Timberwolves and Gophers basketball podcast. We call it Living in Loserville. Some people like that. Some people get the little chuckle. I mean, it's realistic, too. Some people think we're just, it's just a negative. I would never, I've, I've heard comment after comment, I would never listen to that podcast just based on the, the, the name, you know, as if we're not living in Louisville. But anyway, um, so we will kind of uh, kind of have an overview of the Timberwolves squad. We'll end the, uh, we'll end the show with the Gophers segment as well um, to talk Gophers hoops, obviously. Obviously, this year is a transitional year, to to say the least, for uh, Ben Johnson, who was, you know, the circumstances he was put into was pretty ridiculous. So, um, you know, the Big Ten seems to be kind of chewing them up and spitting them out, but they're still playing hard. So we'll get to them, but we are going to kind of go over the Timberwolves stuff, kind of an overview at basically the halfway point. I think there's 39 games left, so we're basically at the half point. And... Uh, you know, we'll talk about the big three, talk about now that we finally got a starting five, uh, some of the bench uh, production or non-production. We have been a little irky-jerky in that. That'll be a key down the stretch is, is the bench being able to play kind of by themselves. You know, this whole taking D'Lo out early is cool to an extent, but, uh, I mean, we haven't even gotten enough minutes with the big three to get together. So to have to, you know, take him out halfway, the halfway point of the, the you know, first quarter and third quarter kind of is cool, like I said, but it also is like, well, I'd like to be able to have the bench be on their own, too. So we're going to talk about the whole squad. Um, it's just nice to be in the playoff realm this deep in the season. It sounds funny, but there's a stat that is really mind-blowing, uh, not for those who pay attention to the Timberwolves, but it, it just puts it in perspective. So. Um, yeah, we'll talk about maybe a little bit, you know, the last couple of games or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's actually a game going on right now that I'm going to watch after this. Um, so no spoilers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll get into this stuff here on the Living and Loserville podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for listening. It's available in a variety of different ways. Uh, it streams live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash ropeadope radio. You can, you know, you don't have to go right to Blog Talk and Rope It Up and listen to the, you know, podcast there. Download it. You can find the Rope It Up Radio podcast under Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Amazon Music. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com? And over a year ago now, um, Aaron opened up a page on Spricker. It's called Living in Loser. Okay, so go check that out. Like I said, Living in Louisville on Spricker. Um, it's this podcast. It's the other podcast we do as well with the Vikes and Gophers football. Um, and he has his own podcast on there that you might like too. Once again, Living in Louisville on Spricker. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees, which, you know, that what used to be Fox Sports Net and now is Bally's, that gets a little funky nowadays. Hopefully that app comes out where you can just, you know, pay five or ten bucks and you can be able to watch anything on that. Um, but it is being, a, you know, it's being an issue more and more. Um and if you go to the Premier Package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host Aaron and kind of check his temperature, see how he's doing on this day that got to 40 degrees, but in about six to eight hours it might be one degrees. How you doing, sir? Yeah, that's about how it goes here. Like 40 degrees was nice, but. You gotta wait for it. And speaking of waiting for it, I'm just waiting for these Timberwolves to start Timberwolving. Um, but it's been a, a pretty nice season so far. I mean, it's, 
it's got its ups and downs, ins and outs, COVID and all that stuff. But, you know, to be almost 500 at this point is pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And that is a good point. It's like knock on wood a thousand times that the injury bug that's gotten us these last two years. Let's just hope. And it just minorly this year. But yeah, let's, let's hope we can get through that because it's, it's very rare that come January we're in this thing. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty freaking scary how quickly these seasons just drop off and you're like, oh wow. Oh, so we're kind of out of it, huh? Like that, that's, in fact, here it is. Um, it's just the third time when we did get to 20 wins. It's the third time in the last 15 seasons that the team had 20 plus wins through 40 games. So that really kind of puts it in perspective overall. Um, it, it is, it is nice though. You know, we, we are in playoff range, no doubt about it. Um, we have a minor cushion, um, you know, as far as the playing spot. So I think it's like four, four and a half games right now to fall off. And then we're only like a game and a half out of sixth place, fifth and sixth place. So um, the goal we said is whether it's playing or get the fifth and sixth seed, whatever it is. I mean, fifth seems kind of, you know, not unrealistic, but we can't just say, well, fifth or bust or whatever. But it's just nice to be competitive mid-January, and, and you kind of forget, like, you know, years and years people would complain about, you know, the KG Wolves before they got spring and Oh, we get there, but we can't advance. But, you know, those 50-win seasons, especially with that uh, cast of characters that was around him, some come, some left, the good ones like Chauncey Billups, Unfortunately, we couldn't sign him. We'd sign Huddy to a bigger deal, though. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, you kind of look back at that, and, and, and you really appreciate the consistency, especially in even deeper West at that point. 50 would still get you – 50 wins would still get you the six or seven seed. So um, we had to work our way up just to get to, to that fourth seed with the, the home, home court and all that. But um, let's first – kind of look at the big three that's been you know a big deal to kind of see them on the court let them gel and you play them all together when you start quarters and close games but you know it's still kind of fine-tuning when to take who out and who's going to come back and who to play with the rotation is starting to get figured out no doubt about it but um you know let's start at our guy ant right anthony edwards um what do you think, you know, about him in his second year so far? And it's still funny to say that he's going to be 20 all NBA season long. You know, he's not even going to turn 21 until, you know, mid or late August. Um, what do you think of the big three just in general and kind of talking maybe Ant first? Well, you know, I had some concerns. Uh, I think I illustrated them pretty good or pretty well last season about, you know, can D'Angelo run the point? Is he willing to do so? Can he defend and all that? And he's sort of answered all those questions. We know he can shoot. I love his shot. And, you know, he doesn't always take the best shots, but if he's making them and they're going down, that's, you know, I can forget about that rather quickly. So um, so with him, you know, I'm still a little bit cynical on, but I, I like what I've seen so far. I mean, he scores well. He moves the ball. You know, I, there hasn't been a lot of drama per se out of him. And uh, I know some Timberwolf fans are down on him and, you know, but they, these Timberwolf fans, I, I, you could put Michael Jordan in a Timberwolf uniform and they'd find something to complain about. With he him, sticks so. his tongue out too much. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy with him as far as, and I'm surprised at how well he runs the point when he's in there to run the point. And, uh, and then I'll go next to cat is in, I think vastly improved. Uh, maybe not so much with his, uh, play, so to speak, but his attitude, his demeanor, um, a little bit of how he wants to score, get to the basket, uh, and a lot of teamwork things with double teams and, and passing out. He's always been sort of good at that, but he's paying more attention to it. He's not really crying about fouls as much as we're used to Cat doing that. So he seems to turn over a new leaf, a little more power to the rim, things like that I like to see from him. And, you know, maybe that helps with better players around him. You can always say that. And, and then we end up with, with Anthony Edwards, who's just, I mean, 
there's a lot of words to say. He's so young, very talented. Um, you, you just, I'm almost at, you know, what do you say? I mean, there's more to come. It's just like, okay, well, at this point, at 20 years old, he's kind of score at will going to the basket with an amazing array of creativity around the rim. Um, just blows your mind at least once every night how he gets a layup in or, you know, a reverse layup or a floater or just power to the rim. Um, and three point shots going to improve, but it's pretty dang good right now. He doesn't shoot a lot interme- intermediate shots. Maybe that'll be something that'll improve, but I mean, this guy, you're trying to pace him, I think, in his career. You're not trying to, okay, and go out there and give us 40 a night. I mean, that's not what he's really being asked to do. And I think that's a good thing, but he's always over 20. You know, it's not a lot of drama. He's a funny guy. He seems to be the heart of this team. And I think that's the right place for him. And I, I just, I'm impressed by him every game. Really, I really am. I don't much, know much more to say that I'm surprised and impressed. And just, I realize that, you know, if he keeps his head on straight and he works hard at it and his talent matches his work ethic, I mean, you're talking about a, a maybe top five NBA player overall. And we could start maybe talking about other eras and stuff like that later. But right now, um, I see a little improvement with his shot selection. Uh, he's always been a good defender, but I think he knows how to play defense. He's a more uh, in tune with the defensive scheme this season. And uh, I think he just kind of knows his place a little bit more and, and sort of assuming the mantle as the number one player on this basketball team. As far as Cat goes, um, although, like you mentioned, uh, demeanor, emotion, hat, he's gotten a little better at it. He definitely hasn't checked it. It's not in check. But it, it does seem like he'll have a bad game with it. And then for, like, maybe a week straight, He'll just swallow his pride and run back, you know, and, and not worry about it. So there's been a minor improvement there, no doubt about that. Um, there's still times where, you know, he, he gets too many fouls. I mean, he, he he leads the league by a healthy mark. I think it's by – I think it's 42 offensive fouls. Most of his fouls are offense, offensive, and I think it's like leads by 12. I think he, I think he now – leads the league in fouls, <laughs> which is crazy. And, you know, he is a gangly kind of strange – like, he, he moves awkwardly. I'll give him that. He does get a little gangly in there. And so some of it's not his fault. But my thing is the carryover. You know, when he, when he elbows somebody – well, first of all, you did do that. So just calm down. You actually did create the foul. But also there are some times, of course, when – you know, when you're on bad teams for so long, only one playoff bid since he's been here with Jimmy, that Jimmy year, they're going to not, you know, you got to kind of earn it, but that's for everyone. So my thing is that when he gets a foul, he'll, he'll get pissed. And it's not always just getting a tech or anything like that, but he'll go right down Aaron, the next time down the floor and just foul someone blatantly. And it's like, well, dude, like, come on, man. So you're right. We have seen some improvement there. Um, he's a good passer. He's usually pretty solid with the doubles, but he has been having a, a little problem with just kind of starting early. Don't allow the double to always come. There are going to be some games um, where it's just going to come right away, but sometimes he's a little too patient, a little too let's wait. And I'd say the last few weeks, uh, you know, multiple players have actually said that. Just just go, dude. And he's, he's worked on that. Sometimes he gets a little fancy with the passes where you're like, dude, just make the pass, man. Like, just do it. You know, so there's still some of that, but he has defensively improved. I like him kind of going all over the place and chasing, like you mentioned, this new scheme that they're all thriving in rather than drop and, and worry about the rim all the time like he used to be asked to do. And I never thought that I'd say this, but we need him to shoot more threes this year. He's averaging mm. five and a half. He's averaging five at five and a half. You got Edwards at 8.7 a game, Beasley at 8.7, and Russell at 8.5. He's the best shooter hands down. He was shooting 45% just a couple of weeks ago. He's still, you know, having a little struggle. He's still shooting 41% from the three. So, actually, I'd like to see more of that 
And it's something else about him in this last game. He did it a bunch, the roll. You know, the pick and roll is something that you're going to see. You've seen the last, like, maybe week, 10 days more of it. But, you know, Finchie doesn't necessarily like to rely on the pinch and roll or pick, oh, pick and roll or the pinch. Um, as much he does like the free-flowing. But if you get into it early enough, we have been, you know, Beasley, Edwards, and D'Lo in Noel will push the ball. So if you can get it in early enough, we have to take advantage of that. And it's not just pick and pop, which he's good at, but in this last Golden State game, and even a couple recently, the pick and roll actually trying to be like Vando in that sense. We're just crashed. Dude, they're going to follow you, even if you don't get an easy dunk or anything like Vando's been getting. It, it just helps. So, overall, though, I like his old, you know, like you said, the demeanor and whatnot. D'Lo, there's three seasons that that's the D'Lo that I like coming out of college. Just his one-and-done year at Ohio State when he was an all-purpose point guard. I was like, yes, that dude's a stud. Went to a place where there was like, Six young dudes in Kobe. You know, it was like the Kobe retirement tour his first year. That got all messed up. Literally, all those guys are gone, and they've thrived in other places. A couple of years into it, the Nets game, or the Nets year where he was an all-star, and he averaged seven assists. And then really this year and last year, the, the second half, um, the passing, this guy. And that's why we need to, roll, you know, have more pick and roll. Because, the, I mean, this guy's getting Vandy like, Four dunks a game off this pick and roll, and him and Nas Reed has always done that really well. So I think we'll see more pick and roll, but I like what I see out of D'Lo. I think his shot will be more consistent this year. He's not used to being the third and sometimes four option in any given night, so he's not necessarily got that volume that he normally is used to. I think that plays into it. And everybody's kind of trying to find their spots besides the last chunk of games with um, – with uh, Edwards improving at the three, everybody else's threes in cat, of course, we're, we're under what they normally do, and those are starting to push up. So I really, I mean, d- defensively, not just his hustle and his length, but him talking. I mean, they had a great video maybe two weeks ago of him talking about whatever, whatever, whatever's going on. Whatever play they're going to run, he was calling out plays, and you could literally hear it. And it was on the road against a bad team. That's why you could actually hear it. But, I mean, it, it was it was wonderful. And we, we don't have enough people talking on defense since, you know, maybe that one year with Jimmy, but since KG. And KG used to be like that. So that really is there. Ant has taken a step forward quicker than I think anybody thought with his three-point shot. I think that stat was the last two months. He's shooting 40%. And he's up to 37, almost up to maybe tonight he'll be up to 38 the way he's shooting it. But the shot selection was pretty crappy earlier in the year. It was almost like, hey, man, what happened those last two months last year? But now, God, they put that stat up a couple of games ago, like 77% of his threes since November 20-something or 17th or whatever have been catch and shoot. And only when he's going off from three does he do the, I'm going to dribble, step back, and do the the three mostly now. So that has been a big, big plus there. You know, he's going to, you know, the passing's coming around too. He still kind of gets lost uh, offensively off the ball and defensively off the ball. But the guy just makes up for it in so many ways. And, you know, the inconsistency – he even talked about it this year where you come off a 35-point night and then he has, like, a very mediocre night. And his last big night, he said, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and celebrate this game. I'm going to try to come back and have a good, solid game. So, you know, at 20, you're going to be inconsistent for the you know, for the next few years. But when he gets it all figured out, like you said, top you know, 15, top 10, top 5, it's all there for him, no doubt about it. So the, I've been happy with it. It is nice to see him blend and, you know, it, it, it's it's a core that I definitely want to try to keep. Um, now, the other starting five that we, we should talk about, Vando and Pat B, Pat Beverly, of course. You know, we finally got this starting five, Aaron, that we've been talking about on and off a little bit here. And it's like, man, we really yeah. need to keep this freaking starting five healthy down the stretch because I think it's still like 12 and 3. 
and they have this plus minus that I'll look up here in a second that just still leads the league. But uh, talk a little bit about Pat B and Vando and what they brought just in general. And now that we last year was all about trying to find a damn starting five, and it looks like we found one, sir. Yeah, it does. You know, I think you still want a little something else at the power forward going forward. But Vandal's been playing really, really well and fitting into that group. You know, because well, I mean, look, you're not going to have shots for many people with those three on the court. So it's like you got to find bunnies, you got to find garbage points, you got to find offensive rebound putbacks, you got to find things like that for Vanderbilt to really. He's not going to be a, you know, they're calling plays for him for the most part and. You know, I like what you said about Cat, and, you know, I'd like to see him crash on pick and rolls a lot more like Vando does almost always. Um, but Cat also, you know, we also want to see him shoot more threes, so it's like you got to pick your poison there. And I don't know, sure. you know, maybe he needs to be a little bit more acute as to, like, how he – when he's going to dive and when he's going to pop. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe he needs to be a little more discerning and try to figure that out. But, um, but Vandal generally, you know, heads for the hoop in pick and roll situations. He's a good enough rebounder. Um, the reason I think you want a little bit more is just, you know, I, you would uh, optimally like someone who's a, a legitimate scoring option in that four spot. But like I said earlier, it's like there's only so many shots and, you know, you got some guys that like to shoot it and you got a guy coming off the bench that never saw a shot he didn't like. So, um, so with him, I'm satisfied with Vanderbilt. I think that's a good player to fit in there. I'm not going to say a Horace Grant type of guy, but, you know, dirty gets the dirty work done, finds the easy buckets, manages to rebound pretty well, and, and fits in well with the core. And, and now Pat Beverly's a, a different uh, beast in that. I You know, I'm still missing Rubio a little bit. I know some people, you know, don't care for Rubio at all, but I, I like always doing it in Cleveland. I keep an eye on over there. And, um so, you know, he's sort of adding that veteran presence and leadership that you would get in a different way from Rubio. So I like that someone's in there to sort of do that as a player. You know, I'm trying to think of a comparison maybe that I can kind of see things the same of Beverly, but he's kind of a bulldog, Chris. And he's sort of, you know, adds a little toughness to the squad, which I think this team lacked for a very long time. And, uh, you know, it didn't really impose its will on anything. And I'm not saying they're doing that now, but I think they're heading in that direction. And I think that's mostly to do with Beverly. Um, you know, he shoots threes well enough, um, but I think his main role is to just toughen this team up a little bit. Am I off base there? No, I think you're right. He sets the tone probably in practice just as much in the game. It's almost like, and somebody said this on a podcast, I think it was uh, Dane Moore, like, Pat B is the brain, and Vandal's like the go get it. You know what I mean? Like, so everything I've said, he is pure hustle. But, yeah, you're right. He set the he set the tone on defense, I think, just in general. You see him on the bench or talking to bench players when he's on the court. Uh, like, he's just an assertive leader. And um, he's a better off ball. Rubio just doesn't fit our team. I was actually really sad to see him go down with that injury. But, um because he was playing really well. But, you know, he he, he didn't – he can't play off ball um, with the guys that we had because he's not a good shooter, a consistent shooter. Whereas Pat B is, you know, right around that 38 to 40% for his career, a little down right now. But like I said, some of that is the, the spots and all that. But, you know, Rubio was perfect for year run, year one with this team, especially Edwards and some of these young guys that, that we have, because he was kind of like your cool uncle. He's going to tell you what's up, and he's going to be stern, but he's going to make you smile and all that. Pat B's like your great-granddaddy from the South. He's going to get in your ass, and he can still do it. Maybe not for 45, you know, 40 minutes a game, but he can still do it. So he's just more, you know, I like to blend the both those guys. I just think shooting-wise. Uh, but you're right. I think that he just helps set the tone there. Van, Vandy, just pure hustle. Just pure hustle. I mean, this guy – not just the rolling to the rim and finishing. I, I mean, I think he had that 21 points and 19 boards last week. It was so fun to watch him, and I swear to you, he said, I haven't gotten this many dunks since high school in a game. Like, I mean, it was pretty fun to watch. But also, when he does get the offensive rebound, 
he'll pass too right away now. And, and before it was like, oh, don't go with the Vando because he can't catch. But it, it, they're just spoon feeding him. And you're right. You know, it's not just four. It could be four or five. You know, if we got a, if we got a down the line, whether it's trade deadline or next year off season, it could be the five and have Cat play the four. But either way, um, what we got on the roster, he's the best fit to be in the starting lineup because he's just all defense to have him and Pat B. Like you said, they don't need a bunch of shots. That is pretty damn impressive to have both those. But um, still, though, size-wise, we, we do get out-rebounded. We get offensive-rebounded a lot. Um, that you know that New Orleans game is a, is a key piece there. The back-to-back before this Golden State game, this Golden State win with a partial team. The Grizzly game, we you know we still there is still size that's needed. And you're right, like I don't think he I don't think he's on our roster. Uh, the, yeah. the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, we could say Nas Reed for offense, but then you're going to fall off in defense. Then you're going to have two centers. Someone can't play power forward. It's kind of funky, but for what he brings and the fact that he just got a brand new deal for three years, I love it. And Pat B, he's had his people come and be like, hey, I'll take a lesser deal. I'll extend now. I don't even have to be a free agent. I'll take a lesser deal to stay. So he's all in for the next few years. So that that is really key, man. Um, so all in all, all, this starting, you know, it took us a freaking year and a half in some <laughs> trades, a couple trades, right? <laughs> About seven of them. But we finally, it does look like we got that starting lineup. And when you look at it, all year it's been on some crazy stats. Like, oh, wow, that it still leads the league at plus minus per 100 possessions. I think it's plus 50, and that leads the league. I think someone's in the plus 27 range or whatever. And you can even knock it off down a little. Yeah, plus it's a, the Wolves have outscored opponents with that lineup um, by 50.5 points per hundred um, possessions. So, I mean, it's the best in the NBA by long, by far. And that actually has come down a little bit of late because that actually was on some crazy-ass numbers before um, that it was even better. But, um, you know, the bench wise, what, what what's your thoughts on the bench? Beasley looks like he's starting his shots starting to come around. Nas started out good, struggled a little bit. Looks like he's starting to get it back. We still haven't the the Prince or somebody else. We still haven't gotten that figured out. McDaniel's has actually we we tried to start him again, but he was getting way too many foul problems. And he's actually, you know, that between the COVID where he had to step up more, um, it, it just helped him for some reason. He's been playing better. And then Noel, that last 15, 10, 15 games from COVID is like a blessing disguise because he now looks like our backup point guard. What do you think of this bench here as we go down the stretch? Because that's going to be important too. Well, I think it lacks a little bit. Um but, I, you know, you can't have everything, Chris. And it's like, okay, well, would it be nice to have, like you said, a little more size in the front court? Sure. And by size, I mean, you know, like uh, a, a thicker forward maybe. Somebody can push somebody around a little bit. And like I said, Nas is kind of an offensive player. He can get tough at times. But, you know, you kind of maybe want that a little bit more for the bench. But, like, Noel's felt in his role very well. Uh, McLaughlin, yeah, I mean – He's in a tough spot, sort of, because he's, you know, he's a few guards deep in that rotation. And then you have, like, you know, Beasley. You know, let's talk a little bit about Beasley. He's a love-hate guy. If he's shooting well, you love him. You know, he's like, yeah, keep shooting, you know. But if he's not shooting well and he keeps jacking up shots, you're like, well, you know, maybe sit him down because this isn't his night. And, you know, you want to see – a little more, uh, just be able to, you know, pick your shot better there, but that's not really his game, Chris. His game is just, you know, go out there and, and score points. And you need that guy. It's just when do you use him, I think, is my real question. And, and you know, depending on how he shoots, it seems like that's how his minutes are going. And um, But I think that's, the, you know, the key to that bench uh, is to have that score. Um, everybody else, sort of interchangeable parts. I mean, they're guys that you can – find equivalents to price-wise and play-wise. 
Um, but I think for what we have, uh, it's a, an adequate bench. You don't see it like giving up big leads often. You don't see it, but you also don't see it, you know, gaining big leads often as well. It just sort of maintains right. the flow of the game at the moment. So I think you'd like to maybe see something off the bench. Balmero, you know, he's got to learn some things and I think he's a great player. He's a good player and he's got a future, but it's like, okay, where do you fit him in? Um, can he be a four at times if you're playing small? I don't know. Uh, he's a good three, I think, is his spot, but he wants to be a guard. So it's like, okay, well, then you're going to have to mess with the lineup a little bit there. And that's for my real questions for the squad is, is like, okay, you've kind of got your five starters. As of now, you probably want to improve your forward a little bit. So that might move Van to the bench and change your whole bench ideas. But I think now it's starting to time to start to look to the bench and go, okay, what kind of role players do we need to come in and do this? But as of now, with what we have on the roster, as you said, um, I think it's adequate. And I, there's a bunch of surprise guys too, like Jalen Noel and the Prince guys made some plays. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of flashing, but if you're thinking about making a sustained playoff run sometime in the near future, yeah. you're going to need, you know, some more consistent, uh, role playing parts to make that a competitive series with, with a really great team. Right. And if Noel, Noel actually just got, cause he was a second rounder, just got this year guaranteed. Technically we have him for another year, but it does fall in that Nas Reed situation where this off season will probably give him like a three year deal at a decent price. Therefore he could get to a bigger deal if it comes to it, but he has some security. But if he keeps playing like this, Aaron, especially as the backup point guard, because the difference between him and Beasley is, like you said, Beasley can only shoot. And once he gets going, dude, like I said, up late, man, he's got going. He had that 30-something point game uh, during the COVID stuff. But, you know, he also went like one of 17 to two games. He was like one of eight and oh of seven or something like that. And he just won't stop jacking him. Now, when he's on, it you know it is a thing of beauty, but Noel can score at all three levels. Can he shoot? Yeah, he's, his three's pretty good, but he can give you the mid range. He can go right to the rack, and he can pass off that. So if Noel like Beasley becomes, you know, like well, we're gonna move you then because you know, even if your shot comes back, which it does seem like it is, Noel just makes more sense bang for your buck, and he can, you can put the ball in his hand and. He's just aggressive, and if someone got into foul problems in the starting lineup or, you know, they're having a bad game where they tweak their ankle, hey, just sit out the last six minutes or whatever, um, he can be in that starting lineup that way too. We saw that a couple of games ago. So Noel has just made a big leap. Last year you saw some of it, but this year what he's doing is just ridiculous. You know, I do want it to be the bench where you literally – can play five guys for a handful of minutes, all of them no starters. And because that D-Lo thing, like I was saying earlier, you know, at times, if you got a nice lead right away or you need a spark and, a, you know, whatever, like it does make sense. But to, to, to take him out at the six-minute mark of the first and third, it, it's rough because, I mean, if he's got it going early, they don't take him out usually that early, but they still will take him out like the four or three minute mark, even if he's got, you know, he's, he's three or four from three. And that's like, and he's not used to that either. So a lot of it's just like, let's figure it out. We are grinding our way through it, but it seems like more and more in that Golden State game that we know their best two players weren't in there. But that bench, they got, you know, the, the starting, a good chunk of the starting lineup got that 10 point lead. I think they're up by 10 or eight to close the third, and in that fourth quarter, that bench took over. And, of course, you're not going to have that every time. But it would just be nice not to have to bring D'Lo back or take him out so early, bring him back, because then it messes up your fourth quarter. Because if he's got it going, then you're just going to drain him if he's got to play the whole quarter or, or, like, 14 minutes straight. And then taking him out for three minutes in the fourth quarter, it's just a weird thing. That's some of his best time is the fourth quarter. He's like – Still, even though he, you know, missed those games uh, from COVID, and then I think it was like three or four when him and Pat uh, missed some games with that ankle, 
you know, he was second in the league in clutch points. And for those at home, what clutch points is, is under five minutes in a game with the lead by either up by five or down by five. He was second. He's still eighth. But that's his time. Everyone's got a role on the team. So I would much rather not have to take him out so damn early. It's not like taking him out, uh, well, shit, Pat B, because he's 33, and you're trying to save him. That's different. Um, he's in his prime, so that would be big. McDaniels, you know, is he going to be a small forward? Um, that's where he's best. And even if we did get a center power forward, to your point, you're saying, you know, Vanny mm-hmm. would go to the bench. Well, that would be good, right? Because you'd have Nas Reed, him, uh, Vandy's, and then we could keep McDaniels at the three. He tried, you know, we started him this year for the most part for a while, but I really think that they, he put a lot on tape defensively. And they said, you know what, we're going to get into that 185-pound body. And that's what they did, and he created a lot of fouls early, got a bunch of foul problems. His confidence went down. And ever since he went to the bench, he's been playing great. And sometimes he'll get 26, 28, 30 minutes. You know, same with Bando. It's kind of like whichever one of those guys are on, those are going to get the starter minutes. So I like it, but like you said, we'll see, you know, where we go uh, from there, you know, down the stretch of the season. Um, I didn't mention but, McDaniels, and I'm glad you brought him up because I, I didn't mention him. And I, I like what you said about him being a, that. I think he's a perfect three, Chris. And I, but now <clears throat> the debate is starting or bench, and you know it depends on how well he can develop. I think not only his three from other spots in the corner, but you know getting to the rim as well as you know his pick and roll game. Defensively, I think the effort's there. He needs to put size on, though, like you said. And, um, you know, I like him at the three as a shooting three. You know what I mean? That's where I want him, shooting, rebounding, running the floor. Um, So I don't want to put a a lot of weight on him, but I I just think, you know, in transition and threes is where he's going to make his money. And I I think he's got the talent to do that defensively as well because he's so long that I think that that that's a, a big part of that. So, I mean, if you wanted to go a bench five, Chris, just, you know, off the top of your head, it would be what? Like Noel to, I don't know who's at the two, but then you Paisley, McDaniels, Reed, and, you know. Probably Prince right now. Yeah. And I think that's that's good, Chris. I think you can win, you know, like an early playoff series with that. But when you get into the teams that are stacked, like right. a face, it's like, okay, you're going to need certain parts. And I think that's what you and I are kind of alluding to. Those certain parts aren't on the roster yet. And, you know, maybe we argue about what parts those are, but there are certain roles that aren't filled. You've got a lot of shooters. You've got a lot of guards. You've got a lot of, you know, offensively-minded players um, who can dabble a little in defense. And I say that sort of lightheartedly. <laughs> I like that. Gonna, that's perfectly stated, though. <laughs> But you're, gonna need, <laughs> but you're going to need, but you're going to need a bulldog stopper. You're going to need uh, probably someone off the bench, an intimidator type of guy. You're going to need different parts for different series. And like I said, you're probably not going to face, you know, the stacked teams, uh, you know, more than one series because you're going to win it or you're going to lose it. But um I'm starting to, like, I'm thinking about the Nets here a little bit. I'm thinking about uh, a full Warriors team. I'm thinking about uh, a Laker team that's got its parts together because they're going to rebuild that thing. It's not going to be down for long. So, you know, teams that are stacked and, and with different things, of course, different teams have different things. So, you, But you'll need that in your toolbox. I mean, you're going to need certain guys that we don't have right now, but it's not too late. I mean, this is a young team for the most part, and we haven't even dabbled in playoffness yet. So, I'm just maybe thinking a little bit ahead here, but I want to see those parts come together. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's interesting because if you if you go back to you know uh, late April when D'Lo came back from that surgery, we finally got the big three on the court together. Um, whether it was you know because what it was ten or fifteen games where he technically came off the bench. But, um, we, you know, we played, tried to make it meaningful, and you could see down the stretch it was. Since then, right, so it's like April 29th or some shit like that, right? 
And it, I, I bring this up because it's a, sa- a size sample that's bigger. We're already halfway through. But if you add this, since then we're 29 and 27 as a franchise, okay? And that is, of course, we know Pat Bev, you know, messed up his groin a little bit, so he's missed a chunk of games. D'Lo missed, I think, three or four games with that ankle. And then obviously the COVID spread. If you look at it, there's only, I think it's the Lakers, the only team above us with the most starting lineups are is the Lakers because they've had all sorts of injuries. And and I think we were tied with, I can't remember who, but we were tied with the, the I think it's now 14 different starting lineups or something like that. A lot of different starting lineups because that, you know, it's everything, everybody got affected by the COVID thing and it's still gonna, but, you know, to have seven or eight players, of, you know, in our whole starting lineup and to have it, you know, one by one by one, I think Edwards and McDaniels, were, or no, maybe Edwards and Vanny were like the only one all, you know, that together got it. But other than that, it's probably because they hang out a lot because it does seem like they did them together a lot. But if you put in the little minor injuries that are going to happen, you can kind of push that away. But then that, that whatever day window it was where we actually had a bunch of games too, to still be over 500 is pretty damn good. And D'Lo was coming off the bench for a good chunk of that at, with limited minutes for those first like, 10 games. So, to be, you know, we kept saying 500, stay afloat, 500. Let's see if we can do that. Well, here we are. It's January 18th. We're, like I said, four games cushion unless we lose tonight. Well, then again, Sack could lose too. So, you know, unless knock on wood with like the biggest – knock I can think of, like a police knock at the door, the injury factor to the big three. We need the big three. Yeah, you're going to twist the ankle, be out for some games. That's different. We're not. We're talking about the two-month stuff. If that doesn't happen, we're in at least the plan. So that's, that's huge, and we got to keep that in mind because of how messed up last year was with the injuries and COVID and everything like that, like the long-term COVID that Cat had. You know, he lost sport pounds and shit like that so i say all that and that was a lot to get to and we'll talk finchy too in a second we can't lose forget about finchy but do you do you stand pat and say hold on let's see what we got down the stretch of this and get to the playoffs whether it's a playing games or two playing games or like you said a full-on series go through the wars of that Go through the battles that we're going to have down the stretch, February, March, and April anyway, and in the playoffs, and then figure out, okay, that's what we got. That's what we got. We need this. Let's make that trade. What, what do you think down the stretch? Because it's about three and a half weeks away, the trade deadline, sir. Well, I think this team's about Anthony Edwards, Chris, and I think that his development is number one priority for this franchise. I don't say that to downgrade Cat or D'Angelo or anybody else. I'm just saying that that is, you know, and a little playoff taste for Edwards is the best. I think he's going to be, not only is he marketable, so you'll get the TV spots, but I think he's one of those guys that's a gamer. He'll step up, and you're going to see incredible games out of him uh, in the playoffs. Not Maybe not enough to carry you through an early series like you, like you mentioned, but you're going to see flashes of, of what might be in, um, so yeah, I think what you do this year is you, it's another evaluation year. As tough as that, that is with the way we're winning right. and the way this team is built, I think it's necessary. So I don't think you make any moves at the deadline unless, you know, someone comes to you with, you know, the, the player you need for players you don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It has to be, other than that, you stay put. And you see where this goes for this season. Maybe you get a taste of a playing game or a taste of a series and see how that goes. And then you judge in the offseason. I think this will be a big offseason for them if things go well. But like I said, Chris, you never underestimate the the ability of the Minnesota Timberwolves to start timberwolving. I mean, there is so many things that could happen. Uh, like you and I talked a little bit about Finch, and we'll talk about Finch in a second here, but you know, they board up the doors if if he goes anywhere, mm-hmm. and then you have you know, with the general manager thing, I think they've reluctantly named Gupta and into that, and, and that might be a good deal. We don't really know much about that, but um, 
the ownership stuff's kind of up in the air and it's like, okay, well, there's a myriad of ways this can go wrong. And so far it hasn't. So, you know, my fingers are crossed. I'm knocking on wood, but there is always that possibility that some dumb thing happens. And now we're back to talking about, you know, whatever it is that we've talked about for the last three seasons. So it's like, you know, your fingers are crossed, you're hopeful, but long story short, it's a, it's another evaluation. You're probably the last one though. You know, I think you got to look at if you have Finch in place, you have this core in place, you maybe get a taste of the playoffs, you see how everybody responds and then you make your move uh, as to what you saw from whatever taste of the playoffs you got. Yeah. If we could move, Beasley in something like a pick for like Eric Gordon that you already know he's been a sixth man for eight years, you know, and he's got a few years left in him on his contract. You know, he's not going to be like, I need more minutes. He's already the sixth man. That would be a great trade or something like that. Miles Turner has been something even dating back last year um, who would, I think, be a really good fit. Now, some people say, well, he's a little bit slower moving and whatnot, so we couldn't run and gun with him as much. Uh, sure, but then again, the guy the last two years has led the league sizably in block shots. And he's 6'11", 250, long and lanky, and kind of what you are saying, Aaron, he for a big man he can score a little bit and he can shoot a little bit on the outside, which only opens it up for Ant and company anyway. Um, so right now – so he literally, this is just a Timberwolves thing, right? He literally just got hurt. He has a stress fracture. Jesus Christ. He's he stressed out on his foot. No, really, he's going to be out for almost a month. And these are the times where they're, they're asking, like, for two first-round picks for him. And you, it mm. should be a, a solid player in a first-rounder. But right now, you know, it's January, so it's like they're trying anything they can. However, at the stress part of it, right, if you put him on the court too early, then you're really screwed because all of a sudden that's going to be an issue and you're going to actually have a fracture, like a full-on fracture. Um, and so they're going to be they, – they, they do that two-week, we'll reevaluate. He may miss – he may be injured past the deadline. This just happened like two days ago. So that's really what – Besides the guy I mentioned, that's really something I would definitely want him for a first rounder in Beasley or something like that. I would take that for sure because the guy to have Pat B and him to have him covering the ball at the front, stopping the you know right right at half court, be greeting you, and to have him there at the back end. We're already aggressive on defense. Imagine how much more aggressive you could get. I mean, Edwards would probably be at two steals. In the first game, he, he'd start, you know. So, but I don't think that's g- going to be a possibility. That's an off-season thing now, and he's a, he has one year mm-hmm. left on his deal for next year. So, unless it is the guy I mentioned, Mister Six Man, that's different. But yeah, I think you're right. As, as hard as it is to say and, and go through this process, I think you're right, man. For the most part, unless it's just a minor thing. You know, we have enough cap room coming off. Uh, Prince, if he doesn't really play good or consistent, I should say, down the stretch, he's a guy we can get money from. Lehman is going to come off the books. So, you know, I think standing pat or just something minor is definitely the way to go. I'm with you there because it's still development, and we got to get a taste naturally through this. Instead of making these big trades, and you have a veteran player like Butler ready to go, well, we knew we were going to make the playoffs then, whereas this we've kind of organically done it inside and brought in some players. So, um, yeah, as hard as it is to, to hear, right, I think you're right, man. Just just stay put and grind out these last 39 games. Well, when you think of it, we've been kind of waiting patiently, oh, so patiently, <laughs> for the ability for us to have a season like this where you can get a good look. You know, and you can say, okay, look, we're, you know, we're a 500 team. We're probably going to make the playoffs. Uh, instead of speculating about, well, you know, if we 
add this guy and this guy, we could possibly make the playoffs. Now we're going, okay, now we can look at it and go, okay, we're, we're on the road to the playoffs. Uh, we're not, the expectations are high on Facebook and Twitter, but, you know, realistically, you know, we're right. looking at, you know, you're not going to get the championship. So somewhere you're going to lose. And right. it's now it's time to find out where the, where the chinks in the armor are. You know, it's like, okay, you know, our bench got destroyed in game two by, you know, those type of scenarios. Like right. we need to, you know, what kind of player is giving us a problem whenever we face that type of player? You know, what type of, who are we giving, you know, who do, who can we exploit on these teams? You know, things oh. like that. And we're, you and I have been just, you know, God, we just, we've been talking about how can we do that in the first and second, third quarter, not in playoff series. So, you know, oh. you're at a, a fortunate point right now with a, a really good player, some good vets who seem to be playing well, a bunch of bench guys that have some league value in a move. And it's time to like, okay, evaluate this season. Like you said, swallow the tough pill. Make your adjustments. Trust that – give Finch what he wants. I'm at that point right now. I, I trust the guy. This is a, one of the better basketball coaches as far as NBA-wise that I've seen in a while, and I'm talking about league-wide. So, you know, give him what he wants. Trust his judgment. You know, don't get in his way and, and let him build the team that he wants. And I think I'm at a point with him where I'm comfortable with that. If he says he needs a – 260-pound power forward that I'm going to go find him a 260-pound power forward, you know. If he says he needs, you know, help in transition for, you know, anything, you just let, trust his judgment, get him what he needs, and, and see where it goes. That's the, the position I'm in as far as uh, any trades or any moves go. There's going to need to be some, but not at this point. Yeah, if he's got, you know, his, his fracture is stressing him, Sit him down, Finchy. Well, put your put your leg up. Um, but Finchy, just in general, Finch. Um, I like that he admits certain stuff. That he goes, you know, now looking back at it, we probably shouldn't have done it. But it but it just seems so logical what he st- says. Like sometimes it gets a little lost in translation and jargon, and you're like, uh, or just like you know. Like Ryan Saunders, just buddy and franchise guy, and the, you know, just just not really calling out people, and not, not calling it out just to Bobby Knightum and shit. Nobody's choking anybody, but like, you know, the fact that they spent like ninety percent of their time on defensive drills and defense stuff in training camp, sure, it did affect our offense, but at the time, you thought, damn, that's going to be a juggernaut. That's a top ten offense, easy. And that's exactly what I would have thought. And what what needs to change the most? Defense. So, and, and it did. It literally did. He actually changed it. So, sure, he even admitted, you know, well, we probably took it. You know, we probably just assumed we'd be better at offense. And, and people are still trying to find out where they want their shots. And we have mixed it up with, with new people. But, and we still don't have a lot of games with the big three. You know, really, we, have, we don't even have a full season yet. So, but Finchy, for him, you know, he came in, Aaron, with this offensive mind, right, which he has, mm. obviously. Mm. But I guess he actually was more known for defense as a player. So mm. defense, he actually gives a shit about. And that's been the biggest shocker, to see this transformation in one training camp in so far a couple of months. That's, that tells me this guy can coach. I agree. And it sets the tone for the season. It sets the tone for the way this team's going to play. And they're reaping the benefits. Now, I know 500 is not a huge benefit, but it's a lot better than 14 and 39 or whatever the hell we've been facing for the last few years. And really the only massive change, Chris, that we can point out is somewhat consistent defense, you know, and yeah, that's six games right there, you know, seven games and a half of a season. Um, and I think that's, if this doesn't get through to these guys, if winning doesn't get through to them, then I don't know what else will. So I'm happy to see it. I like what you said about him. It seems logical. It doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, you said some jargon, and he'll throw it in from time to time, but I don't see a lot of, like, BS. And he just sits down and tells you, you know, his thoughts on the game. You ask him the question, he'll tell you what he's thinking. And, you know, I'm sure that there's some polish involved in that, but, you know, sure. it's, it's not as noticeable as, you know, well, Everybody's happy, and we lost by, you know, we lost in the fourth. We went through years of 
up by 15 and end of the third and getting just killed in the fourth, you know, and it's like, well, those days, knock on wood, appear to be over just due to the defensive mindset. And you want to set the tone for your team, you know, you think you got a good enough offense. And yeah, this team needed a training camp defensive minded and it probably needs another one. And, yeah, you right. know, it's, it needs to happen and they need to learn that that's, look, that's how you win games in the fourth quarter. That's how you definitely win playoff games because that other team's going to play defense on you and, is like, okay, well, then you need to back that up and, you know, get in the 80s, get in the 70s. You know, you, you got to get that way at some point if you want to be successful. Uh, and that's, like you said, with Garnett. And, you know, they didn't need the coach to tell them that. Garnett was in their face. They were playing defense, and that's that's how it was going. And you get a chance to win 50 games. Then you get a chance to win, you know, 40 games, 50 games, 60 games, whatever it is. You don't get that chance without playing defense. Yeah, you have to be like the crazy juggernaut offense, like top three offense. And, you know, we've seen it with Portland and many of the other teams over the years that just even Phoenix a chunk of years ago before their defensive minded now. But with Nash and Stoudemire and all those guys, that was all offense, and it always caught up to them. It always does. Every single solitary year, no matter if people think it's an offensive league and that's it now, it still catches up, period. There's just no no way around it. Um, So all in all, just happy, appreciative that we're this far along, and it, and it really puts it in perspective. Beyond that one year, 2017-18 with Jimmy, it's crazy how bad we've been early, quick. Like, we don't waste time, Aaron. We're on a nine-game losing streak. Go up yourself. And that's been the biggest thing is, is we have gotten on those. We got our first five-game winning season since that 2017 season. Then we'll lose three in a row, win three, lose four. That has been kind of up and down. Some of that has been inconsistency. Some of that was during, you know, losing, uh, you know, two guys out of our starting lineup. And obviously the COVID thing, we don't like to make a ton of excuses. But as we know, there are legitimate reasons. So um, all in all, pretty happy at this point. Switching gears to the Gophers. Now, I mean, Ben Johnson showed me a lot in general off of the guys that he was able to recruit um, and just somehow mold together a team that can actually win some games, no matter how mediocre and soft some of the games were early. The amount of talent that he freaking lost uh, is just mind-blowing. Never seen it, ever. Uh, Maybe even during, like, you know, a suspension there, like a – you know, like, okay, the next two years you can't go to the, the big dance, you know, where they're actually they're, – they're, they're on probation and stuff like that. You barely even see it then. Um, so I got to say, you know, obviously we do need to stop the bleeding um, soon. Some of these games I have liked how they probably normally would be blowouts, but they make it a run, and you can see stuff like, hey, everyone has a role. They got, like – Two or three scores, and everybody else is just role players. They're still short. They actually have a COVID spread to where tomorrow, I think it's both teams uh, have enough to where they're not going to play tomorrow. They're going to try to reschedule the game. Uh, I think they have, I think they had seven, seven scholarship athletes. I think two coaches were out too, so they barely played their last game. And they're, they're going to put – I'm not going to call it a full pause. Knock on wood, let's hope it's not a pause because that usually at least lasts 10 days. But I got to say, I'm impressed thoroughly what Ben Johnson, the hometown kid, has done in a circumstance that's just damn near unheard of. Aaron. Yeah, I am too. I'm oh, sorry, it's muted up there. Um, I am too. I – I didn't know what to expect coming into the season. I saw a lot of the guys that he brought in, and I tell you, I wasn't too impressed except for maybe the battle kid I thought was an adequate player. And, you know, the exodus from here was a surprising thing. But I thought that, you know, I'm mostly surprised with the off. Now, they didn't play really anybody in the non-conference, except for maybe, I think, a a couple of teams. but, you know, to have that kind of record going into the Big Ten, now the Big Ten, Chris, has been 
brutal for them, and they just don't have the size to deal with it. And, uh, but, I mean, that's what we expected, Chris. You and I knew it was going to kind of be a bloodbath throughout the Big Ten this season just because you, your, your cupboards are bare. I mean, you, you have battle. That's a good thing. He's a Big Ten player. Um, but the other ones, you know, maybe Peyton Willis a little bit too. Um, but I like the team and I, I like what he was able to build and I like that he took these pieces and he molded them into a team. They're struggling at the moment, but this is a team that could find it and get hot at some point. Um, or go on a little winning streak. And I guess that's what we're going to look for this season with them. But, um, you know, recruiting seems to be going well and, you know, it's not a heck of a lot to say except for we sort of saw it coming and, and, uh, you know, you're, you'd played some schools I never heard of in the non-conference, and that was to be expected as well. So I think, you know, Chris and I, we sort of talked a little bit about this last season, about it was going to be rough, and it's rough, but it's not as rough as it could have been, and that is saying something for Ben Johnson in itself. Exactly, and, and you know, Western Kentucky usually for a non-mid-major is actually a decent club. They're a little down this year. There was another team that was okay, but they're a little down this year, so that's what made it look even worse. Um, and then obviously, you know, losing to Michigan State, but then beating Michigan at Michigan. That was huge. Now Michigan's down this year, it looks like, because they're kind of low too. But this freaking that they had this stat that said the current roster playing location last season. So there's 13 different schools that these guys came from, 10 different states. We got a D1, we got a D2, or two D1s, a D2, a D3, a junior college kid, a guy that was in prep school, which is you, you, you kind of develop your weight. Usually that's weight or grades. Um, and so you just go to a prep school for a year, then you start your, your college career, and then a high school kid, so or high schoolers. I mean, it was if you can go that's the five spectrums right there, or six, I'm sorry, that's freaking crazy. So to get some – look of a team that can play together. And some of these guys are going to stay here for more than just one year. They're not all just one and dones. And the best player that you mentioned a couple times, Battle, he has more years eligibility. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say, but I do like how he's got him playing. I and I think he gets the Big Ten. Tubby yeah, brought in a lot of talent. Patino brought in a lot of talent but it didn't necessarily line up with how we're going to win in the Big Ten. And I think judging by what he, how he coaches and what he brought in, I think he knows a thing or two is like, hey, we're going to win a certain way, and we may not have a first-rounder over a decade possibly. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, if you manage to get one, great. But, you know, you can't. You can't build it like that. You have to build it, you know, for example, like Iowa. Iowa's not getting a lot of first-rounders, but they're they're good every year. They're a tough team. They've got good players. Um, you know, you can't – we're not going to be the one-and-done collection team. It's going to be, you know, guys that, that shoot well, that play tough defense, um, a little tricky sometimes. Uh, Big Ten basketball, man, it's a lot of 50-point – you know, wins. You're going to get, you know, 56 right, yeah. to 52. You're going to come up with an 86 to, you know, 79. You're going to, it's going to be all over the place depending on who you're playing. But, you know, Illinois has got something going on right now, but yeah. in that sort of outside the realm of Big Ten basketball, but it's still Big Ten basketball. And you're going to have to play Iowa. You're going to have to play Purdue. You're going to have to play Michigan when they're good. I mean, it's a rough league and you can't, you know, you can bring in high talent, but they better be tough and they better be willing to rebound, you know, and defend. That's the Big Ten. Yeah, and how many times have we go, man, if we could just get one more year out of them. If we could just get one. If we could just get – but that's not how it works. You're going to go. You're going to go. The second you're even to taste the first round, you're gone, dude. So why not try to get these guys their third, fourth, and fifth years when they play? Um, of course you want freshmen. I'm not saying that, but um, I just think this is our better route. I really do. Uh, it's going to take some time, no doubt about it. He's going to have to grind it, but I, I think we got something with this with this guy. And he's young, but he, you know, he's 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 well schooled. He's been coaching for a long time, not just here, but he's been in two different spots uh, beyond here too. So 
We'll see. Any last words, sir, before we shut this uh, first basketball preview kind of chatter overview of the season thus far? No, it's a good show, and it's glad to have it's glad to have something positive to talk about mm. uh, when it comes to basketball season. It's a refreshing change. Yeah, no doubt about it. Stretch fracture, stretch fracture. Okay, all right. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Let's hope we can get on a nice little winning streak. That's the thing about the Timberwolves. If you have some, let's say you have four or five teams that you you should be able to beat, you got to go. You know, at least three and two, if not four in one of those stretches. If you have six playoff teams or five out of six in a row, try to tread water and live the next day. You know, if you're even if you're you line up ten tough games, if you can go four and six in those, that sounds weird, but it's I'm talking about playoff teams. If you can go four and six, and then on the flip side go seven and three or eight and two on the teams you should beat, you never know. We could get a six seed, maybe a fifth seed. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Peace.